2: This is the Tom Hartman program. Toilet gate? Remember when Donald Trump was out there whining about how, yeah, these low flow toilets, you got to flush them four, five, 10, 15 times in order to get the stuff to all go down? Well, it looks like the biggest document dump ever has been flushed out. Maggie Haberman's got a new book coming out, and in it, she says it's titled Confidence Man. And in it points out that plumbers were constantly being called to the White House toilet off Trump's office because it was clogged up. Turns out it was clogged up by papers that he had shredded and dumped in the toilet. And he was clogging up his own toilet. By the way, this is a crime. This is majorly against the law. He can go to prison for it. And more importantly, that law specifically says that anybody who breaks that law loses their right to hold public office. We should be doing that. The House Select Committee on January 6th has gotten the records, in quotes, about phone calls going in and out of the White House on January 6th, and guess what? Once the violence started, there's nothing there. There are no records. It looks like Trump was using burner phones or his private phone, and we have no copy of the records from his private phone, which throughout the entire four years of his presidency, The national security apparatus was begging him not to use because it was an insecure, generic phone. He used it to tweet. He used it for all kinds of things, and it could have been easily tapped. I've told you the story many times. I used to walk by the White House on my way home from work every day when I was doing this show in Washington, D.C., and every time I'd walk by the White House, I had an app on my phone that would show activity with the cell phone network. And it would just start dumping megabytes of data out of my phone as I was walking by the White House. It's like, what the heck is this? Well, it was, in all probability, a Stingray machine. I always assumed it was being run by the White House, by the government. These Stingrays are man-in-the-middle machines. They pretend to be cell towers, and your phone thinks it's a cell tower, so your phone connects to it. And then it has access to everything on your phone. Now you can still make a phone call and you can still access the internet because it's passing through that stuff. That's why it's called man in the middle attack. These stingray devices are, I mean, there's literally thousands of them in the United States, most owned by police departments. And I assumed this was one that was owned by the White House. And I reported this on the program, what, a couple of years ago that they found that there were at least 30 stingray devices in Washington, D.C. that nobody knew who they owned. They were probably foreign governments and so probably foreign governments were tapping in or or listening to donald trump his entire four years in office oh but hillary's emails oh my god and now we're also finding that in trump world this is also from maggie haberman's new book that donald trump is continuing his correspondence with kim jong-un oh really what is the guy who wants to destroy american democracy donald trump doing talking to the guy who wants to destroy Americans with nuclear weapons, Kim Jong-un. Inquiring minds want to know, as they say. We are seeing all across the United States attempts to ban, books. according to the American Library Association, there were 156 attempts to censor books from schools in the entire year of 2020. The first three months of this year, there have been 330 attempts, 36 states have proposed bills to restrict instruction on racism or sexism, 14 states have successfully enacted such laws. Who is behind these? In the media, it seems like it's an organic thing. Hey, some parent somewhere got upset and went to the school board, and suddenly a whole bunch of other parents joined in. No, it's not that at all. This is being driven from the top down, just like the Tea Party protests against Obamacare back in the day, where somebody was renting buses, somebody was organizing Facebook groups, somebody, and the somebody, it turned out, was big-money groups associated with right-wing billionaires. We learned later. The whole Tea Party thing was AstroTurf. Apparently, so is this. The Guardian last week was reporting that a bunch of these so-called parental rights groups have connections to right-wing billionaires and donor networks. Moms for Liberty, this 70,000-member nonprofit with 165 chapters around the country. This is from a piece over at Salon.com operated by uh, Tina Desevich and Tiffany Justice, two former school board members, but according to its articles of incorporation, Moms for Liberty was originally co-founded and co-directed by Bridget Ziegler, the wife of Christian Ziegler, the vice chair of the Republican Party of Florida. The group's director of development used to work for Republican State Representative Randy Fine, who himself was a central figure in the Republicans' crusade against so-called critical race theory. Another group, Parents Defending Education. A third group, No Left Turn in Education. They all operate in the same ecosystem. They're pulling down money from these right wing billionaires. Parents Defending Education, for example, is led by Nicole Kelly, whose resume is littered with connections to the Koch brothers' rights uh, salon.com. The article is titled, What's Behind the Right-Wing Book Ban Frenzy? Big Money and a Long-Term Plan over at Salon.com. No Left Turns Funding is likewise a mystery. They've got 30 chapters in 23 states. These are not grassroots organizations. These are groups that are seeking to become grassroots organizations, reaching down into them. Maurice Cunningham, who's a political science professor at UMass Boston, and the author of a book called Dark Money in the Politics of School Privatization, says what the real goal here is to destroy the public schools he said these groups are communications operations and highly networked into the daily caller breitbart and fox news they have gotten educators fired and attacked online they want to create chaos to destroy trust in public education and draw away funding this is all about privatizing our public schools this is a major effort to destroy our public schools and it's being connected to republican candidates all across the united states in other words this is the latest moral panic that they're using but the benefit the secondary benefit of it is they get to kill off public education so we go back to all white christian academies like you know we had after brown versus board of education an entire county shut down their public schools because they didn't want to integrate them we're right back there meanwhile up in canada you've got this massive truck convoy this is nuts this is uh, from the t t-y-e-e Written by uh, David kleiman He's a, an award-winning journalist, author, post-secondary teacher, and trade union communicator. And he, he writes, where are Alberta Premier Jason Kenney and his United Conservative Party now that evidence is accumulating the disruptive and threatening Freedom Convoy occupation of Ottawa is being funded and supported by far-right activists in the United States? This article, they go into say basically this is like these color revolutions, like you know we we sort of helped sponsor a revolution in Ukraine years ago. Remember the Orange Revolution that threw out the Russian-aligned prime minister and replaced him with Western-aligned prime minister. This is like the same thing. And uh, this is GoFundMe, by the way, stopped the funding for this, but they had raised over 10 million dollars. This is a, a campaign to dissolve parliament less than five months after a free and fair election in which a clear majority of voters supported parties in favor of vaccine mandates. At least a third of the donors were not identified by GoFundMe and the use of fake names and stolen identities was rampant, according to this observer. And this is amazing. Allowing political parties to use the names of real people without their consent and to have their fees paid by unidentified third parties is a fraudulent practice that was recently legalized in Alberta by this right-wing party that has taken over that province's government, the UCP. The Washington Post notes, quote, a significant element from the United States has been involved in the participation, funding, and organization of the self-described Freedom Convoy that has jammed the streets of Canada's capital for several days. Donald Trump has come out in support of these guys, Don Jr., Elon Musk. Tucker Carlson says there's no more fearful despot than Canada's prime minister. And what are these truckers waving around as their banners? The Confederate battle flag, Trump 2024 flags, and the Gadsden flag. And then they ask, could this be, therefore, that Canada's anti-vaccine convoys are really what Garasino calls a dry run for an American uprising? A small minority of right-wing truckers, are they preparing to do the same thing in the United States? Are the Republicans imploding? Are they going to make a resurgence? Are they going to take the House and Senate? Is this the end of the Republic? Is this, Or are the Democrats really well positioned? Do they have a really good chance of, of doing very, very well this year? Has America reached the tipping point where most are sickened and disgusted by the twisted GOP death cult? It seems like, just occasionally looking at the news, that the Republicans are on a roll. They have blocked significant legislation. I realize Mansion and Cinema played their role, but if even two Republicans in the Senate had said, "No, we're okay with voting rights, or we're okay with putting America back together and undoing the damage of 40 years of Reagan's neoliberalism," Then we would have gotten it. So, you know, it's really the, the real obstruction here is not Manchester Cinema, it's the entire Republican Party. And it looks like, hey, you know, they're doing cool, they're doing great, they're doing exactly what they want. They're they're, you know, trying to ruin America when there's a Democrat in power. And of course, when they get in power, lower taxes on rich people and corporations, and eliminate regulations on polluting industries. Now, this is their principal shtick, you know, this is 90% of what they do. But the cracks are starting to appear. I think one of the big cracks was yesterday in the Wall Street Journal where the opinion editors, the opinion page editors, this is the editorial board, literally the voice of the Wall Street Journal, published an op-ed in which they said, and I quote, the United States desperately needs a Republican party that is a sane alternative to the ruling Democrats who have lurched to the coercive left. On that score Americans should welcome Mike Pence's stand Friday for constitutional principle on elections no matter its political cost. Now, Fox is going to continue, which is also owned by billionaire Murdoch. So you've got, you know, the Wall Street Journal saying, "Hey, wait a minute, guys, we need to go back to sanity." And, of course, they're speaking to a more affluent, more well-educated right-wing audience. People who at least understand power and how it is used. Fox, on the other hand, with an average audience age of 70 or 71, and, you know, basically speaking to the base, the people that the wealthy donors in the Republican Party refer to as the rubes, the people John Adams used to refer to as the rabble, Fox gets it that the whole grievance game and hanging on to Trump and playing this stuff, this is great for ratings. It helps them in their competition with other right-wing networks. They're not going to change until the Trump faction in the GOP really corrodes or erodes a whole lot farther than it has so far. But this split represents a real crisis for the Republican Party. And a little later on here, I'll, I'll tell you about you know, one of the major ones, uh, you've got two Republican billionaire donors who are now supporting two separate primary candidates and it's starting to get ugly. So the question is, what does this mean for the Republican party? I mean, when the money leaves or the money starts fighting against itself, the party is dead. Pence, I would say when Pence, a couple of days ago, stood up and said, Donald Trump was wrong, just those words which Marco Rubio would never be able to pry out of his lips or or Ted Cruz or any of these other guys who have their their lips so firmly attached to Trump's rear end. That simple statement by Pence, in my opinion, was the beginning of either the end of this incarnation of the GOP, the Trump incarnation of the GOP, or if it gets brushed aside, it is the end of democracy in America if the Republican Party can actually seize power. I mean, we've got, for example, in, in this uh, race in Ohio, Senator Rob Portman is retiring, the uh, Republican senator from Ohio. Two guys are fighting it out. Josh Mandel, Ellen Ratner used to be on this program for years and years. She, he always used to refer to him as Crazy Cousin Josh. And uh, J.D. Vance, the guy who wrote Hillbilly Elegy, he's actually a multimillionaire investor who just happened to grow up in Appalachia. And uh, Vance is like crashing in the polls because a wealthy investor is backing, actually, two, Club for Growth and USA Freedom Fund, these are groups that are aligned with, with historically with the Koch brothers, are funding a $2 million TV cam trashing Josh Mandel. Vance, back in the day, back after January 6th, said, you know, Donald Trump is wrong. He's crazy. Now he's embraced Trump like a mooning teenager. So, both of these groups are billionaire affiliated. Where's this going to go? I I don't know. But it looks like you've got basically one faction that wants to go back to the Ronald Reagan scam, you know, cut taxes for rich people, deregulate polluting industries, and talk about mourning in America. M-O-R-N, not M-O-U-R-N. And then you've got the other faction that really just wants to end democracy in America, ban books, go back to re-legalize racial discrimination, seize control of political systems. I mean, basically, if you look at your average Republican today, right now, the elected official, they no longer even bother to hold town hall meetings with their constituents. They don't answer their publicly published telephone numbers anymore, many of them. Mitch McConnell has given up on any pretense to uh, principle or ethics. He's all about pure power since Obama was elected. Witness Mar- Merrick Garland party that has long proclaimed itself the champion of family values can't even get together a dozen votes to support an extension of the child tax credit or free preschool. The party of morality that spent three years trying to tear down Bill Clinton for getting a BJ from a consenting adult no longer even bothers to mention Trump's 20 plus rape and sexual assault charges. The party of law and order has declared that assaulting 140 police so severely they had to be hospitalized and smearing feces on the walls of the U.S. Capitol while trying to overthrow the government is, quote, legitimate political discourse. Republicans have long claimed that they're the guys who understand economics. But three major tax cuts in the Reagan, Bush, and Trump presidencies have added $30 trillion or created a $30 trillion national debt. you recall when Reagan came into office in 1981, the national debt stood at $800 billion. It was not yet even $1 trillion. This whole party that got the Pledge of Allegiance in our schools and as our national, you know, got under God into the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God, is openly embracing racist attacks on teaching black history. You know, they used to be, quote, the party of patriotism and honor, and now they're supporting foreign autocrats. You know, hey, let's all go to Hungary and support Orban. And don't even think about honest history. I mean, Republicans across the nation are trying to ban the stories of the struggles of black people, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans. They used to at least performatively embrace kindness. You know, kissing babies was a Republican thing, right? A political thing. Now they openly promote assault weapons and militias that are just this generation's version of the Klan. And now we see that, uh, and there's a great uh, diary about this, uh, I believe by Hunter over at Daily Kos, I've got a link to it, that uh, it's devolved to the point where a Republican candidate can simply purchase a high-profile conservative endorsement with a $20,000 check. And you get these obvious grifters like Boebert, Gates, Green, and Jordan. They're they're the most visible faces of the party. So, as a result, the Republican Party has been reduced to moral panics as the only way to win elections. I talked about this last week. They had a moral panic around Benghazi. Oh, my God, four dead Americans, Hillary's emails, guns, wedding cakes, trans kids in school bathrooms, voter fraud, and most recently, black history. And that's unsustainable you can't maintain a political party by simply doing moral panics every you know a new moral panic every six months or every year now they used to do it every election cycle right oh jimmy carter's weak against iran elect ronald reagan or willie horton you know they're letting black killers out of prison or clinton got a bj or obamacare is socialism those are those their moral panics around election time Now it's like all moral panic all the time. The latest one is banning books in our schools. So how's this gonna shake out? You got Mitt Romney just came out and said about the party's endorsement of the January 6th insurrection. He said, it could not have been a more inappropriate message. Anything my party does that comes across as being stupid is not gonna help us. So how's this gonna shake out? What say you? What do you think is the future of the Republican party? I think we're going to know by December of this year. I think we're going to see a a big clue in the primaries. Are the Trump Humpers going to win the primaries? And then how well are they going to be positioned to go against Democrats? Or are the Trump Humpers going to start losing the primaries? I mean, the GOP could start its collapse as early as this spring and summer through the primary seasons. Or if it is going to collapse, we could see it in a big way this fall in november depending on the voter turnout and and how people respond to the latest moral panic which i want to do a deep dive into as we continue through the program this whole school banning books thing i'm thinking we don't know yet but we will know soon this is the tom hartman program how long do you think that this is sustainable accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind, flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com Hartman with two ends.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price.
3: Go to your happy price, price, line.
2: We'll see. Anyhow, let me pick up your phone calls here. Steve in Bridgeport, Vermont. Hey, Steve, what's up? Before, when you started the hour,
3: you
4: were saying that we might be at the precipice of the Republican Party, including on their own, fighting amongst themselves. Right. One thing that we all know about Republicans is they fight with themselves and then fall in line. The problem that we're gonna have is that if the, the Democrats don't seize on the messaging that the Republicans are sending out there saying that January sixth is okay, we can help them. We I guarantee you Democrats are end. gonna
2: seize on that. <laughs> and already are. I got a fundraiser from the DNC yesterday that was quoting that.
4: Well, the problem that I have with that, Tom, is they always start out like that and then it just dwindles away. Like when McCarthy yeah made it obvious that Benghazi was just to hurt Hillary Clinton. Right. The Democrats should have taken that clip and ran with that and hammered it home to the American public that all this stuff was done politically. The Republicans are doing that with January 6th. We have to, like the previous car, have to have indictments and people put away with in handcuffs for people to realize this is not a political operation because yeah. the Republicans are framing it that way
2: yeah No, this is very much a criminal operation and I am expecting that by midsummer to early fall you're gonna start seeing some of the really big pins drop but uh, you know I, uh, my guess is that you know well actually this isn't even my guess if I was running the Democratic Party right now what I what I would be saying is leave the Republicans alone for a little bit don't do your public hearings yet let the right wing crazies in the republican primaries go ahead and 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 win their primaries right and so that now democrats of you know across the spectrum democrats are going to be running against right wing trump trump bound crazies trump lost the republicans the house in 2018 trump lost the house the senate and the white house in 2020 trump lost uh, you know, I, I, Trump lost the uh, both Senate races in Georgia in 2021. Trump is a three-time loser. So the more Republicans who embrace Trump and end up in races this fall, the better it is for the Democratic Party, it seems to me. And, uh, you know, on the other hand, if if uh if mitt romney were to come out and start supporting trump i would get very very worried but what i'm seeing is that the the republicans who want to go back to just pretending like they're a normal political party um you know that just happens to shill for billionaires and 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 big polluters uh you know like ronald reagan and talking about mourning in america i think they're going to end up taking their party back but i don't think it's going to happen until after they get wiped out badly in november We'll see. I mean, maybe I'm being way too optimistic, Um, but go ahead.
4: I think you are, Tom. I think they have to put people in jail for them to realize it. I don't
2: think it's going to happen. Like I said, I think they will start doing that after the primaries. But, uh, you know, that's, you know, what I'm saying there is that there may actually be some political motivation in the way the DOJ is doing this. The DOJ, of course, would tell you the first to tell you that ain't the case. So, you know, we will see. We will see, Steve. Thank you.
3: You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives.
2: This is unsustainable for the Republican Party. This is a real war within the party being fought between billionaires. A couple of other points here that I, I just wanted to share with you. Down in Florida, Ron DeSantis is promoting support for an anti-LGBTQ bill that bans discussion of LGBTQ topics or issues in schools while forcing teachers if they detect that a student might be gay the teachers have to notify the parents just think about that for a minute let's let's have our teachers be the gender police or the thought police and report kids to parents now i get it you know if a kid was in a classroom and was talking about um you know bringing a gun to school or was talking about blowing things up or something like that. you know you would want that teacher to call the parents right away if a kid was in school and was talking about using fentanyl or or you know taking some other illegal drug you would want that teacher to notify the parent right away and they do these are things that teachers routinely flag but if you've got a student who you know at school is hanging out with a couple of kids that are openly gay or is uh, behaving in a way that might cause a person to suspect that that student is gay. Uh, I think having the, having the teacher f- go into a moral panic freakout and contact parents, this, this could be really destructive. I mean, this, this, this is the kind of thing that leads to suicides. This is one of the very, very toughest times for, for students who are growing up not being straight or cis-gendered students, students who are struggling with issues of gender identity. The worst thing you can do is have a power structure, which would be the school and the teacher, lay that on their parents. I mean, this just like, this, this bill, it's, they, they call it the don't say gay bill. It's, it's actually Florida House Bill 1557, it's titled Parental Rights in Education. It also allows parents to sue the school if they feel that their rights have been violated. I mean, this, is, this is crazy stuff. Joe Harding is the Florida House Republican who has written and introduced this bill. He used to run a lawn care service. The guy has no background in education whatsoever. So the lawn care guy is, is preparing to out LG, LGBTQ students or, or kids struggling with gender issues to their parents and, and of course, to the, to the entire power system of the school. I mean, you know, if a teacher is going to the parent, that has to be a matter of public record. Meanwhile, students are fighting back. And this, I guess, is the good news for the day. Uh, Lauren Sue on the Daily Coast staff writing about this over at dailykos.com. Uh, Christina and Renee Ellis both attend a predominantly white high school in Pennsylvania and uh, they are over it. They are sick and tired of the book banning. Christina told NBC, quote, if a little girl or black girl goes into her school library and can't find a single book that represents, keep in mind, this is, this is a white kid saying this, and can't find a single book that represents her and people, and people are telling her that she doesn't really matter, she will treat herself as such that's from Christina Renee says quote we don't want history to repeat itself with hiding history hiding the experiences of people of color in this country this is what she said to NBC she said we also wanted to make sure that the younger kids underneath got a full education especially with the murder of George Floyd and the murder of Breonna Taylor and so many other social justice issues in America these sisters attend the Central York High School And uh, they have started a social justice group called Panther Anti-Racist Union, specifically to challenge the book ban. They got together with a group of parents who stood outside the school and read from these banned books on Instagram. And they wrote letters to the editor at the York Dispatch, which is their local hometown newspaper. Uh, Edna Gupta, an organizer of one of the student protests, again, a, a local student, said, quote, Recently, the Central York School Board decided to ban a diversity resource list that would be accessible to teachers in classrooms. The one common factor, all of these books either include main characters of color or are written by people of color. This ban is not only an infringement on the education of all students growing up in this district from kindergartners to seniors, but also shows blatant disrespect for the students of color in this district denying their experiences and ancestry a part in curriculum. The students have had no voice in their own education, and I am an example. They had 200 people show up for the student protest, and the local paper, the York Daily Record, uh, record uh, published the, this letter to the editor in an interview with one of these sisters and this group. And guess what happened? The school board voted, they, they met, and voted unanimously to rescind the book ban. Students are standing up, their parents are joining them, and school boards are backing down. Thirty-five states have now filed 137 bills to ban books. And this uh, here's another kid, he started a virtual student group called Round Rock Black Students Book Club. He says there's a bunch of kids uh, trying to get through to teaching, teaching all the books, because they want to read it before they went away. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Book club within the school of just the banned books. And it's working. I've got this app on my phone that announces, you know, this is your captain speaking. Whenever an airplane squawks 7700, it's a transponder code for in flight emergency. And, you know, because I'm a pilot and I'm a geek about this kind of stuff. And one went off last night, and Louise was like, What's that? And I pulled it up on the phone and I said, Oh, look at this. It's, a, it's, a, it's an airline that was uh, going to Orlando and it's turning around. Well, it turns out it was flight 1335 from New York to from LaGuardia to Orlando. And uh, this guy was yelling and screaming that the woman behind him was trying to steal his DNA with a syringe. It took like six people to restrain this guy. The nuttiness, and now, and now you're seeing you know, these truckers up in Canada, they're starting to repeat QAnon stuff. This is how crazy it is. But you know, going from crazy to ominous, the Oklahoma legislature just uh, you know, opened their new 2020 session this week and with this supreme court ruling dobbs v jackson where they're probably going to end roe v wade the good fathers of oklahoma are getting ready they have passed a six week abortion ban a total ban on medication abortion hey you thought you could get a morning after pill maybe even in the mail not if you live in oklahoma they will come to your house and arrest you for getting that in the mail it's like it's like getting crack cocaine in the mail they have given person they want to give personhood status to fetuses And they have added a uh, constitutional amendment declaring Oklahoma does not protect the right to abortion. But the most radical is Senate Bill 1167, filed by George Burns, a Republican in Oklahoma. It's titled the Every Mother Matters Act. It will create a government database for pregnant people. Each pregnant person will call a hotline and be connected with a pre-abortion resource assistant who cannot refer them to an abortion provider they will then be assigned a unique identifying number in a database that will be kept for seven years as part of the program the woman and this is from the legislation quote will be connected with a care agent who will provide at no cost to her an assessment of eligibility and offer assistance in obtaining support services other than abortion for her and the unborn child's biological father these services include information on adoption housing employment child care and more Grace Howard, Professor of studies, uh, Justice Studies at San Jose University, said despite the framing that this is about helping folks, it's pretty obvious this is about expanding the state's surveillance apparatus over pregnant people. People who aren't even seeking abortion are going to fall under this surveillance a- apparatus. Oklahoma, by the way, has the highest death rate for pregnant black women in the entire United States. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. This is nuts. It's Mike Pence's, you know, periods for Pence all over again. Pence tried something like this in Indiana, remember? And Mark in San Clemente, California. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today?
3: Oh man, you're really knocking it out of the park today. You know, first of all, you know, maybe you got to get a cuss jar, you know, and then you would have a some money coming in. Yeah, that, well, that, that's what, then, what
2: that's what Joe does, you know. And then uh, the Joe Madison thing over at XL.
3: The th- second thing is, I gotta, I gotta bring out the obvious. You know, book burnings and book bannings is right out of Hitler's playbook. Not, yeah. to, not to have a pun there, but you yeah. know, th- that's exactly what he did, man. But anyway, I, w- I was a school teacher, 15 years in the school system, and they just started the uh, charter schools, and you know, there's always been parochial schools, and what the public what it starts with with me I really got chapped when Trump's last state of the union address he referred to public schools as government schools right. and he and it put a it put a bad comment connotation right on it right then and then he brings up this little black girl and he's going to go oh, we're going to send her to this magnet school and she can thrive and it'll just be so beautiful and then he you know crowned rush limbaugh after that but the for him to you know he's probably never been in a public school classroom in his life because you know the the rock that his his uh family crawled out from under in Europe when they immigrated to the United States you know the the public school system of this country is the jewel and the crown of it because all those immigrants were coming uneducated over mm-hmm. here yeah and they had all these kids that were growing up and very, you know, had all kinds of uh, behavioral problems. And when they started the original one schoolroom schools, you know, the teacher had to deal with, uh, you know, different ages of kids and the oldest ones were the worst because they were the most rowdy because they'd never had any discipline put to them and when you send a kid to a charter school like Imagine or many of them that are around they can kick kids out if they if their behavioral problems right. and where do they go they go back to the public school that's right
2: it's the ghettoization and, of public education and, well, yeah, and it's a very and not only that, process but
3: this the teachers in public schools have to be credentialed. Well, they yeah. don't have to be credentialed in, in the, in the uh, schools. private schools. Yeah. So, so what so they do is these, they,
2: they take the most troublesome kids, and this has nothing to do with race, they take the most troublesome kids, kick them out, they end up back in the, in the public schools, and the exactly, public schools exactly. turn into basically educational wastelands. I said ghetto is probably a wasteland is a whatever. You know, it's a, that's what's yeah. going
3: on. Well, and, then, and then the other thing is I, I knew parents of, of the kids that were in my public band, public school bands, because, you know, they don't offer those kind of things in private schools. And they were saying, you know, they were teaching, uncredentialed, teaching in the, pub, in the uh, private school and said, these kids are dumb as rocks. There's no difference between these kids and the kids in the public school except the fact that their parents are taking the tax money away from public schools and giving them to these, these private schools. That's right. That, Don't don't require credentials, don't require a real curriculum to be developed, and and you know I mean it's just not it's it's an unfair playing field. And that Betsy Voss lady probably never been in a in a uh, public school. classroom herself
2: she went into one when she was uh, on uh, the secretary of education it didn't it didn't end well shall we say but mark I, I i i totally get what you're saying and completely agree and this and 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 not only that these kids are getting not an education they're getting an indoctrination in many of these schools particularly the ones that are associated with right-wing christianity and or you know right-wing donors sean and thank you for the call sean in David, davenport iowa hey sean what's on your mind
5: neo-Nazism and what's going on in the alt-right, whatever you want to call it, white supremacy. And you said something, what, what, what's going on within the GOP? Well, there's a journalist called uh, Christopher Goldsmith, with a K, if you want to look him up. He has got a complete archive of their movements and their tracking and what they're up to. They being but who? The alt-right, the white okay. supremacist movement within the the the, the GOP. But uh-huh. The emphasis is on Paul Gosar, Marjorie Greene, Boeberg. I mean, we actually have, and they're members of these white supremacist organizations. Steve like the Front. Yeah. I'm glad Western Iowa kicked them out. But, yeah. but that is what we need to focus on going forward. So, like, how do we get rid of these people? It's by the ballot. We've yep. got to wake up.
2: Yeah, we need the biggest voter mobilization in the history of America for the elections coming up this year, Sean. This is the critical time, and and that's why it troubles me tremendously when all this circular firing squad stuff is going on. Now, I'll I'll be the first to call out uh, Democrats who are, are not doing well. We need to be propping up and supporting good progressives in the primaries going forward. I think that's where the victory for the party is, Sean. Thank you for the call, and spot on. So there are actually some substantial differences between the Taliban, the Afghanistan Taliban, the group that has, you know, the Donald Trump signed what Defense Secretary and his National Security Advisor referred to as surrender documents to back in uh, early 2020. There's a difference between the Taliban and ISIS, or even K-ISIS, which is how they're identifying the ISIS group that has emerged in Afghanistan. The main difference is that the Taliban's ambitions are largely confined to Afghanistan. They want to be a regional force. They were were the government of Afghanistan before, they want to be the government of Afghanistan again. ISIS, on the other hand, wants to reestablish the entire caliphate across the Middle East, across Northern Africa, across parts of Southern Europe. And this is going to bring these two into conflict. I've got a whole video about this over at TomHartman.com for folks who support the program. Check it out. Karen in Oakland, California. Hey, Karen, what's on your mind today?
0: I just wanted to talk about Merrick Darwin really quickly. I think there's an elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, The elephant is is that he's playing 3D chess because he's not arresting these people because they're all talking on TV. They're giving evidence in their book. They're singing like canaries. So why would he bring them in so they could shut up?
2: Right? That's a good point, and that's that's one of the points that has been made. I mean, on, on the one hand, you you have people saying uh, there's no evidence that a grand jury is going on because these people are not yelling and squealing out in public about you know being dragged before a grand jury. On the other hand, uh, you've got people saying, well, yeah, there is a grand jury and there are investigations, but they're keeping it on the down low so that they can you know make the net as wide as possible, and when they finally pull it closed, have it as tight as possible. Exactly, so, and with all of their published you know, confessions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I don't know which it is, but I'm, I'm, for the moment, I'm willing to give them the, the benefit of the doubt. We'll see how it all shakes out. Karen, thank you for that. Will in Broomfield, Colorado. Hey, Will, what's on your mind?
1: Well, the reason I called is that you've been talking about where the Republican Party is and where it's going and kind of where the country is. Right. And I think we are already in the worst case scenario. Because the best-case scenario on its face is Democrats win big in 2022, right?
2: That would be probably a good thing, yeah.
1: Okay. Democrats win big in 2022. The Republicans are t- going to turn around, and they are going to blow their minds. They're gonna, they're, they're, that's going to be the oh, final piece. Oh, they're already puzzle. in the they're middle of that the final piece. Yeah, that's going to be the final piece of the puzzle for them to say things are out of control. We rigged this election as best we could, and yet we still lost... Things are going to heck in a handbasket. We are taking it to the next level here. So even even when we win, what I, which I expect us to, I expect people to look up and say Donald Trump is a joke, and I expect us to win. But the people in his party are going to use that as as their Reichstag moment. And even and and so even if we do as best we can in November, if we win all the governorships, if we win the House, if we
2: well, win of course the they're going to do that. I mean, you know, they're yeah, they're exactly. going to do their worst. They're in all cases, they're going to do their worst, and that's why we need exactly. to strengthen need to, need the, to the one the one institutional body that we have right now that can fight against the, the Republican Party is the Democratic Party. It's not going to be and the know, Greens. It's Doctor What's Her Name, you know, going off to Russia to have dinner with Putin. It's going to be the Democratic Party, and if we exactly. don't then get we inside that party and and have a say on what's going on, it's going to be a disaster sue in minneapolis hey sue what's on your mind today
0: regarding the law in florida um that prevents teachers teaching anything that causes guilt or anguish um or discomfort to the student
2: right this is the the law that has not yet passed or you're talking about right
0: yeah okay yes um because they go go ahead yeah so what entity or system you know would prevent the law from being interpreted on the flip side you know that is like Minority students have to learn and accept that they're oppressors who owned, you know, their ancestors and caused genocide to their ancestors, the Native American people, they're being presented as heroes. And that the children experience confusion and anguish and rage and humiliation in those circumstances. So, like, what prevents it from being interpreted that way? Like, why, who would be able to stop that?
2: Well, I, 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 I don't understand your arguments, Sue. They're, they're specifically defining negative emotions. They're, they're not objecting to positive emotions, if that's your point.
0: No, I mean that a minority student, what causes a positive emotion in uh, one student?
2: Because Oh, I see what you're right. saying. So in other words, a minority student may be able to go into court and say, we learned about Christopher Columbus being a wonderful guy who discovered America because he thought he was sailing to India, and oops. And uh, it wasn't everything wonderful and I know their true history and so I am in anguish about this teaching and therefore I'm yeah. suing. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, like you know, or slaves or genocide towards Native Americans, you know, like right. these people who yeah, so like I'm confused by that. You know, like what what obviously their intention is to prefer is to um, preserve these conservative ideologies in there. Um, right. And, uh, but, you know, how is it, how
2: would it... It could easily cut both ways. You know, what yeah. you're suggesting, Sue, is, I mean, the best example I can think of this is when, uh, I, I believe it was in Alabama when Judge Roy Moore was doing his whole Ten Commandments on the courthouse thing, and the Church of Satan came out and said... If religious groups have the freedom to put monuments on public property, we want to put a statue of Bepevmuth, or however you say it, the horned god with a goat's head and, and a human body, you know, uh, holding a scepter and a, and a sword or something. We want to put this statue on public property. And up until that moment, everybody was like, yeah, Ten Commandments, cool, maybe a cross, maybe a little crucifix, and then he comes along and says, well, let's put Satan there, and all of a sudden they're like, well, maybe maybe religion shouldn't be on public spaces. And uh, it sounds to me like, Sue, you're suggesting that people could flip this one, too. Well, I'm
0: wondering if they can, you know, like, and I'm wondering how that would happen.
2: Yeah, the law of unintended consequences. I guarantee you, when when Alabama tried to make it legal to, if I'm remembering it correctly, tried to make you know the state tried to make it legal to put Ten Commandments on on the statehouse lawn, that uh, they were they were not thinking that the Church of Satan was going to come down the road, and uh, and in fact, I wonder if the Church of Satan would be the ones who would who would sue in the event that this law actually gets passed. Amazing stuff, Sue. Thank you. One of the real thought-provoking calls of the day. I appreciate it. Steve in Cooperstown, New York. Hey, Steve, thanks for listening to SiriusXM. What's up?
6: The fact that these people on the right are getting more and more powerful, and a lot of people think that, or I think many people believe that that might be environmental, but actually what we're really talking about here are people with destructive personality disorders, and this has been studied and elaborated on uh, in relation to uh, Nazi Germany after the Second World War. And uh, it's a very, very scary situation because these people manage to weasel themselves into government, and God knows, uh, weasel themselves into influencing people, weasel themselves into uh, 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 perpetuating their destructive personality. Steve, is this behavior. is this what
2: Mary Trump was talking about when she was on this program? She's a psychologist, of course, a clinical psychologist, yes. and, and Trump's niece. Yes when she said that yes. my uncle likes to destroy things. That's that's where he gets yes. the most pleasure in his life is destroying people and things. Is that what you're talking that's about? That's absolutely correct.
6: That's exactly it's correct. And I'll tell you something very important. It, 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 it's in degrees because there's, there are destructive personality disorders, but then there are malignant destructive personality disorders, such as Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin. If you were to assess Stalin and Hitler, psychologically, and they're on opposite ends of the political spectrum, and then look at the results of that assessment, you would not be able to tell the difference. No, before. I agree. Although I would argue they, that they're they, on
2: the same end of the political spectrum. They just used different words. They were both autocrats. They used
6: different words. And really what it's about, if you look at what Goring was trying to do toward the end of the war, he was going to build a huge, huge castle for himself. I mean, what yeah, do people Vavelsburg. really care about? Yeah. Yeah, I've been all these people (laughs) what these people care about is themselves and their their fortune. They don't give a darn about people out there struggling to get by or people living uh, from paycheck to paycheck and what have you. But uh, it's a very, very scary situation when you stop to think about it. And it's uh, these people have weaseled themselves into police departments, into military. And it's
2: just is this a subset of narcissistic personality disorder or is it separate?
6: well i would imagine that they have a high actually i'm not imagining they do have a high level of narcissism in their character disorder yes right but the destructive personality this thing goes back to childhood yeah. and it's well elaborated on there but there are several uh uh dynamic people that have written about this stuff and uh it's very very comprehensive it's, it's problematic it's yeah steve i
2: gotta run but thank you very much that that is very very thoughtful comment Our one-hour free podcast recaps our show, and it's available wherever fine podcasts are found. And we have the full three-hour podcast available over at TomHartman.com if you want to really support our program. Some just absolutely startling new news, by the way. We've been talking about the this trucker's convoy up in Canada. For uh, well, a- as long as it's been going on, and how they're trying to replicate it in the United States, now some, some folks are starting to do some real deep dive research into this, and uh, you know the, the the protesters are now basically trying to bring down the government. They're they're asking Justin Trudeau to resign as prime minister, and uh, so far there have been 23 arrests, 1500 tickets, parking tickets, basically. And uh, they have started 80 criminal investigations. The police are asking for 1,800 reinforcements. But here's where it gets really weird. This is from, a police, uh, this is from an article by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC. It's on their website, cbc.ca. Uh, CA is the domain for Canada. And it's, t- it's by uh, Judy Trinh. And it's titled, How Organizers with Police and Military Expertise May Be Helping Ottawa Convoy Protest Dig In. And again, this is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They note, by the way, in this article that the truckers are holding press conferences and they're refusing to allow CBC reporters to come. They're only giving press conferences for right-wing media. But here's where it gets interesting. There's this group called Police on Guard that was formed during the pandemic and has endorsed the truck convoy, and on on its website, It publicly, I'm reading from the CBC piece here, on its website, it publicly identifies more than 150 mostly retired police officers who are against government-imposed public health measures such as vaccine mandates. More than 450 former Canadian Forces soldiers are also named on this website. And the leadership team for the protesters calling themselves the Freedom Convoy includes, and again, I'm reading from from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Daniel Bulford, a former RCMP officer, this is like, you know, the the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, who was on the Prime Minister's security detail. He quit last year after refusing to get the vaccine, and he is the convoy's head of security. Now, this guy, Daniel Bulford, um, you know, knows a lot, I mean, you know, about how the government works. So how do you take down a government? You get somebody from inside it. Another one is Tom Quiggin. He's a former military intelligence officer, who also worked with the RC, RMCP, RCMP and was considered one of the country's top counterterrorism experts. He quit his job and is now basically a professional anti-government guy, at least from what I'm reading here. Uh, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, notes, during his tenure at RCMP, Quiggin was a member of the Integrated National Security Enforcement Team, INSET, which was created to thwart terror attacks after 9-11. At INSET, Quiggin worked alongside top officials at CSIS, Canada's spy agency, the Canadian Border Services Agency, CBSA, and municipal police forces. And in that same video, this guy, Quiggin, re- referenced the blockades at the border crossings in Kaut's, uh Alta, oh, uh, uh, what state would that be, uh, anyway, it's... Uh, Alberta, I'm, I'm assuming it's alberta and parallel protests in toronto quebec city and sarnia he in, in fact he said i think we're going to see people start going to the government and saying get this fixed and if we don't you realize we have the power to shut things down another guy is an ex-military officer his name's tom Morazzo, who according to his linkedin profile again reading from the cbc here served in the canadian forces 25 years and now works as a freelance software developer the caption to one of the photos of, uh, in the CBC, which is, uh, is, is subtitled, Why Ottawa Protesters seem, Always Seem a Step Ahead of the Police, is, quote, experts say the president of former police officers within the ranks of protesters is giving them a tactical edge over local law enforcement. Is this coming to America next? I mean, the three percenters and the oath keepers are mostly made up of ex-military. The oath keepers are entirely made up of ex-police and ex-military or ser- actively serving. I mean, this is their whole thing. The oath that they're talking about is the oath to, to serve your country. In other words, you, you've, you've been a sheriff or a cop or an elected official or whatever. Is this coming to America next? ARE THE PEOPLE THAT WE HAVE TRAINED INSIDE OUR GOVERNMENT ABOUT HOW TO PROTECT OUR GOVERNMENT NOW GOING TO ATTACK OUR GOVERNMENT, AS IS APPARENTLY HAPPENING IN CANADA RIGHT NOW? AND IF SO, WHAT DO WE DO ABOUT IT? THIS this IS VERY, VERY TROUBLING STUFF. AND and ALSO, YOU KNOW, I MEAN, WHO IS PROMOTING THIS? I YOU KNOW, I GET IT WHEN IT'S RIGHT-WING BILLIONAIRES WHO ARE JUST SAYING, OH, YOU KNOW, GOVERNMENT IS A TERRIBLE THING, WE NEED TO DROWN IT IN THE BATHTUB, uh, YOU KNOW, BECAUSE WE DON'T WANT TO PAY OUR TAXES. OR WE DON'T WANT OUR... our, our uh, refineries to be regulated. We want to be able to blow as much poison in the air as we want. I get that. I mean, that's, that's obvious on its face. But when people who have military expertise and police expertise are actively working to tear down your government, who's behind that? Who has a stake in that? Who's encouraging that? Who's promoting? Who, who is it who hacked this this uh, woman in Missouri's Facebook account and turned it into seven different Trucker Convoy Canada Facebook groups that drew over 350,000 members in two weeks. What the hell's going on here? Our continuing conversation about what's going on in the Republican Party, are they melting down? Are they consolidating? Are the fascists taking over? or are the fascists losing control losing their grip i would submit to you that the peak of their power was just before the november election that trump lost the one from you know a year and a half ago it has been they've been getting louder and more outspoken and the base has been getting louder and more violent but it sure seems to me like Americans are waking up to the grift, and that the split that is starting to emerge inside the Republican Party, if the Republican Party continues to nominate candidates who basically can't win elections outside of very, very, very red congressional districts. There are some places, I mean, you're going to have some Marjorie Taylor Greens, right? You're going to have some just complete whack jobs who have no understanding of government and and uh, only a, a modest intellect and are uh, holding to just a- abhorrent views you're going to have a few of them who are going to get elected and the republicans are trying to make it safe for more and more of those kinds of people with all this gerrymandering that's going on we're going from you know around 40 more or less debatable seats swings swings uh, congressional districts you know, out of out of 435 we're going from from around 40 of them down to around a dozen. But there are going to be those places where the Republicans put up a candidate who is so far to the right and so crazed that almost any Democrat can beat them. And I think that the January 6th hearings, when they start going public, are gonna take a lot of the wind out of the sails of those Republicans and make it somewhat easier for Democrats in the fall election and so if those things happen after the primaries, to a large extent, and, you know, March 1st, your, your primary in Texas, if those things happen after the primaries, then the crazies are in place to be the candidates that the Democrats will take on. So strategically, that will work, in my opinion, to the advantage of Democrats. Now, the danger, of course, And this is one of those things where, you know, you just never know how it's going to play out. Ultimately, the danger, of course, is that the Republicans putting more crazies up to run for office is going to mean that more crazy, more fascists are going to get elected, which is going to speed up the rate at which the fascist takeover of America can be accomplished. And make no mistake about it, there are there are a number of right wing billionaires who are very, very interested in having their taxes cut and their businesses deregulated. And if fascism is the price of that, they're they're perfectly willing to pay that. And we're seeing that play out as well. So it is, you know, it's not black and white. It's not real simple, this or that. But the good news is that on a bunch of different levels, on the electoral and voter level, you're seeing people wake up and starting to push back against Republicans. At the school level, you're seeing now student groups that are organizing to push back against books being banned in their schools. And I think this is just a spectacular thing and a spectacular moment.
3: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.